This is the weekly podcast for Connection Community Church for Sunday, November 29th, 2009. Located in the Middletown, Delaware, we are dedicated to connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. For more information about Connection Community Church and our ministries, please contact us at www.connectioncc.org. If you seek a relationship with Jesus or would like prayer, please call our church offices at 302-378-7692. On behalf of the entire Connection family, we thank you for listening and pray that you are blessed by God's message. Well, his brothers plotted to kill him. And then they had a change of heart and decided to sell him into slavery instead. They took his robe, they dipped it in the blood of a goat that, that had been slaughtered. And then they took the robe back to their father, and the father concluded that his favorite son had been devoured by a ferocious animal, and he mourned and wept for that favorite son. Boy, that's a, a rough video, isn't it? Yeah. So after that, I'm supposed to say good morning. (laughs) We're glad you're here. My name's Carrie Jones, and welcome to our fourth and final week of Family Matters. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we do thank you for this day and for... For the way that you call us to kind of dig deep and look at tough issues, for the way that through your Holy Spirit we are free and open each one of our hearts, you know what each one of our needs are before we even ask. So open our hearts so that we might leave here differently than when we came in. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Amen. Not surprising that uh, Joseph's brothers were upset with him. Uh, a lot of it wasn't even his fault. It was, it was more his father, Jacob's doing. Jacob obviously didn't listen to last week's message when we said that you shouldn't play favorites in your family because uh, Scripture tells us that uh, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Jo- little Joey was his favorite, and he showed it. And how did he show it? Well, Uh, That robe the brothers had dipped in the goat's blood, that was the richly ornamented robe that Daddy had made special for Junior. Maybe you've heard of it, Uh, coat of many colors, technicolor dream coat. Scripture tells us that when the brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than any of them, they hated, that's the words of Scripture, they hated him. They hated Joseph, and they could not speak a kind word to him. Of course, it did not help that Joseph told them the dreams that he was having. For example, there was one where they, they were all binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly Joseph's sheave of wheat stood up straight and all of the other sheaves bowed to Joseph. Or there was the one where there was the sun and the moon and 11 that's the number of brothers, 11 stars were bowing down to him, to Joseph. (laughs) So telling them his dreams probably didn't help his cause a whole lot. 
because they hated him. And when they heard this, it aggravated that so much more. And so they decided to get rid of their problem. And instead of killing him, though, they sold him to some Midianite travelers who then in turn sold Joseph to one of Pharaoh's officials, Potiphar, the captain of uh, the uh, Pharaoh's guard there in Egypt. And so today we talk about family matters. Matters of family, family matters, and family matters. Sometimes family matters get pretty rough. Sometimes members of our own family, we, we treat one another a lot worse than we treat our friends or even strangers. And why is that? Why do we do that? Well, perhaps we can pick our friends and we can have these momentary encounters with strangers, but we cannot choose our family. We can't choose family. We're given family. Family is family. And, and maybe you haven't been sold into slavery by your siblings. We hope not. But maybe there's a situation in your family that has caused a real split either recently or maybe it's from years past. And maybe it was something very, very serious. And no matter how long it's been, it's just as serious now as it was, if not more so. On the other hand, uh, in the whole scheme of things, maybe it's something that wasn't as serious in the long run as it seemed at the time when you look back. Maybe looking back at It looks back even kind of trivial, or maybe if you really think about it, it might even seem kind of dumb. Either way, whether it's very, very serious or looking back not so serious, maybe there's something in in your family in the past that has caused division of some sort. And, And maybe it's something that you're holding on to and you just can't seem to let go of. And and until you let go of it, it won't let go of you. Um, maybe you're, you're kind of uh, what we would say a prisoner of your past, <clears throat> and you're not quite sure how to change that. You'd like to be free, but you're not sure how to make that happen, especially when what's got you trapped is what somebody else did, and, and especially when that somebody else is family. And so as we go back to our story about Joseph, when Joseph got to Egypt, you know, as he was sold into slavery, the Bible says that the Lord was with him and Joseph prospered. Well, Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph and he saw that Joseph succeeded in all that he did. And so Potiphar put Joseph in charge in charge of his entire household, entrusting everything into Joseph's care. Now, even though he was successful and all things were seeming to go his way, that didn't mean that he didn't face some continued challenges. He ended up in prison because his boss's wife accused him of trying to mess around with her, when in reality it was the other way around, and she was embarrassed by it, and she had to make save face, and she accused him, and he got put in jail. Now, while he was in jail, though, he was able to interpret some dreams for a guy who later, when he was out of jail, told Pharaoh about it. And when Pharaoh had some dreams that needed to be interpreted, he called on Joseph. Now, Joseph gave credit to God, and he successfully told the Egyptian ruler what his dreams meant. 
that God made it clear that in the future, Egypt would have some years that were abundant, and they would have years of famine. And because of this wisdom and because the Spirit of God was with him, Joseph was made the number two guy in all of Egypt. Imagine that, a foreigner, a guy who had come in and been put in prison is now the number two guy of the most powerful nation in that area at that time. He's put in charge to oversee a plan to stockpile from the abundant years so they would have some reserve during the years of famine. And so famine did hit Egypt. But they were prepared because the Lord used Joseph to make sure that everything would be okay. And Egypt was hit, but so were the surrounding countries. Canaan, for example. Canaan is where Joseph's family came from. So now they're hungry, and Joseph's brothers make their way to Egypt to buy grain. And without knowing it, they bowed down before the one whom they had sold into slavery. Go figure. Those dreams that Joseph told them about, <laughs> mm, this was the, uh, the truth that, that came out. Mm. Can you imagine being Joseph there at that time? Wouldn't that just have been incredible? And you're just sitting there going, mm, 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 mm. What am I going to do? What a great opportunity for revenge. And they don't even know who he is. Then they're bowing down. What a great opportunity to get even, to have the upper hand. What an opportunity to, to remember those hurts from the past and to be, revisit them when the brothers come to call. Especially since, like I said, they didn't even know who they were dealing with. They had no idea that they were bowing down to their kid brother. Now, Joseph... He did have a little fun with them, and you can read there in Scripture, the latter part of uh, Genesis, if you want to know all that. We, it takes a little more time than we have this morning to tell all that fun part that he had with them. But, but then he did reveal to them who he was, and <laughs> just figure, they were terrified. They were terrified <laughs> when they found out who this guy was that they were bowing down to. Yeah, And they probably expected the worst and for good reason, thinking about what they had done to their little brother so many years before. (laughs) But that's not what Joseph did. That's not how he handled this situation. In fact, he reunited with his brothers. Well, they were still afraid, and Joseph assured them that what they had intended for harm God had used for good. What they had intended for harm, God had used for good. For what Joseph was doing at this point in his life was saving many lives. And then Joseph gave his family that had hurt him so much. He gave them land. He gave them food. And Egypt became their home. Hmm. Isn't that a great story? I love that story. Got a lot of drama to it. It's got some, you know, twist of fate kind of thing to it. It's got some uh, secret, not knowing what's going on to it. But it, it's got a great ending, a, a, an opportunity and a, and a story of forgiveness, a, a story of not allowing the past to control the future. 
you know, the story of looking to God to care for us in the midst of our challenges and turmoils, you know, Joseph remained faithful, and his faithfulness was rewarded in the midst of all the trials and challenges that were placed before him. The truth is, though, many of us remain faithful, and we don't become the number two (laughs) top dog like Joseph did. And for many of us, these challenges, the challenges that we face, the hurts, and especially family hurts, they are hard to let go of. They're hard to put behind us. It's really hard to forgive. We talk a lot about forgiveness in church. Of course we do. But sometimes, you know, we talk, but it's actually very hard to to do it. Forgiveness can be very difficult. Very difficult. And that's why I want to take a couple of minutes this morning to share something a friend shared with us many years ago, and we hope it's as helpful to you as it has been to us. Some of you may be familiar with this because we've used it before, but we thought this was a very good opportunity to share it again, especially when we're talking about um, uh, freedom through forgiveness when we're dealing with our family. So if you take the yellow sheet out of your program this morning, and this thing is called the seven steps to forgiveness. You know, we often say, oh, we got to forgive, we got to forgive. Well, how do I go about doing that? Well, this may hopefully help. Seven steps, first step to forgiveness. First step is we've got to recognize the injury. We've got to recognize that there's something to forgive. We've got to recognize where the hurt is. Who, first of all, who do I need to forgive? Pinpoint, name the person. Not some nebulous thing. Who is it? How have they hurt me? Can I describe what happened? And that can be very painful, especially if what they did was a very horrible thing. It may help to write it out. Sometimes the very just getting it out on the paper is very, very helpful in this process. And the first thing is recognize the injury. The second uh, step is to identify the emotions involved. You know, what does it conjure up inside of you when you think about this particular uh, challenge, this, this place where you need to forgive or this person that you need to forgive? You might want to list feelings. Again, on paper, that's always helpful. But think about the feelings. Are they feeling some, I was afraid when, or I felt guilty when, or I'm ashamed or humiliated by this or that, or I'm angry at this particular thing. In Psalm 139.23, this scripture, search me, O God. In fact, can you read it with me on your sheet? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Identify the emotions involved. And then number three, express your hurt and anger. Get it out. Express it. If I could say what I wanted to this person, I would tell them. Now, sometimes we, we can't. We're not in a position to tell them. But what would I say? And you could verbally say, sometimes, again, writing it out is very helpful. What if the person's deceased? You think, well, I, this doesn't make, it makes all the sense in the world. If they're deceased, write them a letter of what you wish you could have said to them if they were alive. And if they are alive, and if you are able to, share what you want to with them. Actually do express your hurt and anger. But again, it might be helpful 
to script it out because you might get so emotionally caught up as you're telling it that if you don't think it through, it might be very difficult. So express your hurt and anger. And if you think, how could I do that? God gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. Look to God for strength in order to do this, as always. And we saw in the video clip from Pay It Forward, we saw the daughter very calmly and very lovingly express her hurt or her anger to her mother. It wasn't a combative thing. It wasn't a, you know, in-your-face thing. Mm. But it was a very thought-through, calm time. Mm. Don't do this in anger. Controlled. Don't do it when you're mad. Do it at a time when things are, are settled and when God leads you to do that. Now... After you've done that, and step four is to set boundaries to protect yourselves. There are times when we have experienced hurt and forgiveness is needed, but boundaries are needed in that. There are times when there, the hurt has been so deep that it's not possible to even be in the presence of the person who may have hurt you because of a, a safety kind of issue. Boundaries can be a very, very good thing. So think through this. List what you can do to protect yourself, both now and in the future. If we'd shown a little bit more of that clip, the, the, the mother um, uh, the, uh, uh, says to her daughter in the clip, I'd like to see your son or her grandson. Well, that, the woman, the grandmother's an alcoholic, and the, and the mom in there says, well, you can see him, but you can't have been drinking. You see, that's a boundary that she sets because that's not a good situation for her son. So in that process, she's setting a boundary, and sometimes we need to set boundaries as well, as Carrie said. Number five, and I think this is the one that all these lead up to and lead away, and you come from, cancel the debt. When you have released the other person from your own expectations... You are ready to forgive, to cancel the debt. Notice that, cancel the debt. Cancel. Knocked out, paid. It's off, it's off the book. Write down something possibly you could do to symbolize your willingness to forgive. Cancel the debt. Six, consider the possibility of reconciliation. If it is safe to do this, then... It may be that there could be some reconciliation. That doesn't mean that things are all peachy keen and, you know, the relationship's back the way it was, but there can be um, a different kind of relationship. Now, first of all, you have to think about, do you want reconciliation? If so, why? And if you approach that other person, what do you think will be the response? Now, this is a scary thing. What Can you accept the worst possible response? See, when we consider the possibility of reconciliation, it's got to be about us. It's not about whether that person is going to accept it or not, but it's it's a a freedom. We release ourselves in this. This whole thing about forgiving the other person, you got to keep, we always have to keep this in mind. We think if we forgive, especially if we cancel debt or if we consider reconciliation, that we're saying what you did was okay. No, that isn't what forgiveness is about at all. Forgiveness has nothing to do with saying what you did was okay. What it says is, I'm no longer going to allow it 
to hold me prisoner. I'm no longer going to be held prisoner by what you did. I'm not saying it's okay, but I'm not going to be held by it. And that's when we come to to number seven. We are able then to move on. Um, uh, Writer Anne Lamont says this, forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. How many times have you run through it in your head, something that happened, something somebody did? Did it ever change? Were you ever able to change what happened by running it over? It never gets, never changes, does it? No, because we can't change the past. It's a done deal. It will never change. So all we can do is let it go and look to the future. I have a, we have a friend, a pastor friend who used to be downstate. He's out in Wisconsin now. And when he did marital counseling, not pre, but post marital counseling, and the couple was in some really serious uh, need of some forgiveness. And let's say one party say, oh, I, I forgive you. He would say, now, you know that that means is that you're willing to never bring it up again. Oh. <laughs> See, because if we bring it up again, oh, we're, we're, oh, I moved past it. No, we didn't. I went back and picked it up again. Every time we pick it up, it starts all over. Does that mean I'm never going to think of it again? Probably. You're probably going to. It's in your memory someplace. Does that mean on occasion might not get a twinge? Yeah, it may. You may have a twinge. But if we keep bringing it up, we haven't let it go. We've got to learn to move on. The past won't change. Only we can. And in order for that change to happen, we've got to let it go. You know, when it's all said and done, forgiveness does more for the person doing the forgiving than for anyone else. It's, it's actually could be kind of selfish, but it releases us. In um, a lot of years ago now, there was a, a family member who, every time I talked to this person, I would, or saw this person, I would get a headache. I would be sick to my stomach because the hurt was so deep and so extensive. And even though I was in relationship with this person, every time I was in the presence, these physical manifestations of the hurt happened to me over a span of probably eight years. And so one day I was um, away on a retreat, and at this point my life was going pretty well, pretty well. And um, it was great. And so I, I said, and looking back it was pretty arrogant the way I said it, so God, what do you want me to work on now? So, God, what do I need to work on? I mean, everything was good. I didn't expect what I heard. What I heard in my head was forgive and then the person. And I have to tell you that I was like, you've got to be kidding. I didn't do it. It's not about, this is about that person. And I heard again, forgive. And so I knelt, I prayed, 
I did the best I could. I said the prayer. I forgive. And interestingly enough, this is what happened. Several days later, phone call came to my house, had this conversation with this very family member, got off the phone, and about five minutes later, I realized I didn't have a headache. I didn't have a stomach ache. I'm like, Alan, oh my heavens, something, something's happened. And what happened was that I released, I forgave. The next day, I asked this person to come. We talked about it. And now, in, I, in my case, reconciliation happened. The relationship now is, is wonderful. It's what I believe God wanted for us. One of the biggest benefits of forgiveness is that we are released from the chains that bind us. If your past is holding you prisoner, you are the only one who can release yourself. If your past is holding you prisoner, you're the only one that can do something about that. Maybe that's why um, Jesus talked so much about forgiveness. You know, there's no way we can fully appreciate, enjoy, participate in the life Jesus offers if we are being held prisoner by things in our past. In, In the book of Luke, in the sixth chapter, the 37th verse, Jesus, Jesus says this. He says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Let's, let's say that together. Do not, do not judge, judge and you, and you will, will not be judged. judged. Do, do not, not condemn, condemn and you will not be condemned. condemned. Forgive, Forgive and you, you will, will be, be forgiven. forgiven. See, it's hard for us to realize and accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers when we're being held prisoner by our own unforgiveness of others, especially family members. In Matthew chapter 18, Peter, the apostle Peter, asked Jesus how many times he should give someone who sinned against him. He said, Peter said to Jesus, seven times? And actually, Peter thought he was really doing good because in the um, Jewish custom, it was three times. So Peter's like, oh, should I you know, forgive seven times? That's my own carry it, you know, perception of this thing. But you know what Jesus said to him? This is very interesting. Actually, it's at the bottom of your white, your yellow sheet. Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. How much is that? 70 times seven. That's a lot of times. No, I don't think Jesus was saying, okay, four, um, 487, 488, 489, 490, I'm done. These sevens, the perfect number in Scripture, times seven, the perfect number, the perfect times the perfect, times 10. In other words, there's no end to the forgiveness, forgive as much as is necessary, even if that means again and again and again. And again, we need to remember this. Forgiveness doesn't mean what the other person did was okay. It does not mean that in the least. What it means is 
I'm not going to let what happened hold me prisoner any longer than it already has. Forgiveness. Forgiveness brings freedom. Who better to forgive, to have freedom with, than family? I know that when God dealt with me and I forgave, I had a freedom that was so incredible that lasts even to today. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It takes a lot of work, a lot of work on on our parts. But most things that are important aren't really easy. It's worth it. And as we remember that Christ came to free us, Christ came and went that whole distance and, and climbed up on the cross for forgiveness of our sins. I mean, he died for you and for me for forgiven, forgiveness of the things that we've done. And so because we are forgiven, we can forgive. We can forgive. Why? Why do we forgive? Well, in this case, as we're talking about our relationships that are in our families, we forgive because family matters. Family matters. Let's pray. God, it's, um, it's really tough. And we remember the scripture in Matthew Uh, Forgive us our sins, just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Guide us, Lord, as, as we examine the relationships that we have in our family. Speak to us with your still small voice or maybe in a booming thunder. Those areas in our lives, those relationships that we need to uh, work on. Guide us by your Holy Spirit, Lord, maybe to make the first move, to go first. As we go through these steps of forgiveness, help us not get ahead of you, but do everything by your leading and by your prompting and through prayer. Your love is amazing, amazing love. How can it be? How can it be that you died for me? Well, thank you for doing that for each one of us. And we give you all the honor and the glory in the name of Jesus and by the power of his Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church said, amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly message from Connection Community Church. If you would like more information about what you just heard, or if you seek a relationship with Jesus, please call our church offices at 302-378-7692. You can also find out more about our ministries and upcoming events on our website at www.connectioncc.org. Thank you again for listening, and may this be the greatest week of your life.